0: Hey, welcome back to the Addicted to Healthy podcast, your one-stop destination for all things health and a kick-ass life. I'm Laurence, certified nutritional practitioner and health coach and the host of the Addicted to Healthy podcast. Today I have Dr. Gordon Peterson back on the podcast and last time we spoke we discussed colloidal silver. So if you guys want to check out that episode, the link will be that and listen and learn all about colloidal silver, but today we'll be going over the essence of health, so what uh, Dr. Gordon Peterson really teaches his clients, and that's really regarding the foundations of health, so going we'll go into details right now, we'll obviously be going into that in the episode today, so I'm super excited to get this started. So welcome back, Dr. Peterson, to the podcast, I know you were here a while ago, um, And we had a good conversation and I'm super excited to have you back to talk about some more things around health and wellness.
1: Terrific. I'm glad to be here.
0: So I'd love for you to start, first of all, by introducing yourself again, because I know not everybody remembers (laughs) you from um, last year and then some people might not have listened to the episode. So I'd love for you to kind of introduce yourself and let us know how you got to what you're doing today.
1: Oh, that's a family issue. I know it's been Christmas and Christmas is about family, but when I was a young man and I was just entering college, my brother was diagnosed with Crohn's disease and the doctors said he's just going to either suffer a lot and or die early unless you can find an alternative. So that started me down the path of looking for alternatives and I got trained in traditional medicine and received a Uh, I, uh, I'm board certified in anti-aging medicine. I then went to naturopathic medicine and I'm board certified in as a naturopathic doctor. I also got a PhD in immunology and toxicology thinking that, well, the immune system is the place with all the answers and toxicology means I can formulate all of these new products for my family. And so I just continued looking and I found two things. Number one, the body will heal itself if you give it the proper tools. And number two, that no single branch of medicine has all the answers. So sometimes you just have to keep looking. And that's brought me to the point I'm at now, where uh, I believe the body will heal itself. And I actually love the essence of wellness as a standard for everyone to follow.
0: I love that. And I love that you mentioned that, especially when it comes to just using modalities in general, like health modalities, um, you know, traditional medicine, etc. I think a lot of us are always hoping and thinking that there's going to be a supplement or like either either a method or a practice or whatever it is that solves all their problems but it's never like that it's usually like peeling off the layers of the onions and using different healers and different you know foods and supplements and things like that so I'm glad that you mentioned that because a lot of the time you know we are in a society where we want everything right now but that's really not how the body heals right
1: well you're right uh, you know the 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 turtle is uh, very, very slow moving, but always seems to get wherever it's headed. And with healing, quite often, if we're changing major body systems or we're changing the balance of bacteria and uh, doing these changes, if we want it to last a long time, it often takes quite a long time to get it changed.
0: And you mentioned essence, so we're going to dive into those a little bit. Um, deeper, but would you be able to introduce each topic um, first, like each each of those oh, absolutely. letters? Absolutely.
1: <laughs> uh, I wanted to give my the people I consult with or patients that I've had or whatever it is that I'm consulting with, I wanted them to remember a wellness program in one word. And the reason why is because there's so many different facts and quotes and statistics. They come at you so fast that one week you're on a weight loss program, the next week you're, you're on the keto diet, the next week you're over here doing something else because there's so many facts. But in one word, I can summarize what people should do and take responsible care for themselves. It's essence. The word essence means the most important part of something. So the essence of wellness is by definition, the most important part of wellness. Each letter in the word essence gives one medical principle that the patient should take responsibility for themselves. E is for eat correctly. S, sleep. S, supplement. E, exercise. N, neutralize poisons and toxins, C, clean water, E, eliminate stress, eat, sleep, supplement, exercise, neutralize poisons, clean water, and eliminate stress. Each one of those plays a major role in the overall wellness of the person.
0: I love that. And I love how you use that for your clients because that's obviously something they can remember easily. And I totally agree. It can get really confusing and complicated. And we think we need to do this diet and this cleanse or whatever it is when we really don't address the foundations. Like, are you actually sleeping? Are you actually moving your body? Are you actually you know, drinking water, etc. cetera? Um, I'd love for you to get into detail in terms of each category now. So for instance, eat correctly. I think a lot of us, like even if I ask people, You know, are you eating healthy? They don't even really know what that means anymore because, you know, there's so many diets and protocols and macro tracking and calorie counting and all of these things. And, you know, one day coconut oil is demonized. The next day it's like animal products or even like spinach, like everything can get attacked. So I think a lot of people are really confused. So how do you usually explain this category to your clients?
1: Eating is a balance. The easiest way I start people on eating correctly, and I live it myself, is to eat internationally. So number one, we want as many of the nutrients as we can get to come into our bodies. To do that, one day I'll eat Mexican, the next day Chinese, the next day Mediterranean, the next day American, and then within that scope of getting all the different types of foods eating internationally, Then I want to say, okay, I want to reduce my sugars. And the reason why is because America specifically has just gone overboard on how much sugar that we eat. My gosh, when I found out that they grind up sugar and put it into the french fries at McDonald's so that people will crave them more, then I went, okay, sugar's in everything and it's in there because if they get you to crave it, you'll buy more of it. Well, I, number one, want to reduce processed sugar sugars. That means the white powdery sugar like it's on a donut, but they hide it in so many ways. So let's reduce sugar and let's start with protein. And the reason why is because in the American diet, we've gone way overboard eating too much sugar. So let's bring the balance back by cutting back the sugar and let's eat a healthy protein. And healthy proteins can come from legumes and they can come from all different times, types, types of protein-rich foods, including some animal food or meat, but we're not going to eat any meat that has poisons in it. We're going to avoid antibiotics and steroids, and those are two of the biggest problems that we have with meats, and it's, it's not always the meat that causes the problem. It's not the meat that causes the weight gain. It's the fact that the meat, when it was a walking animal on the earth, It was given injections of steroids to make it bigger and antibiotics to keep it more healthy, quote unquote, or keep it from getting pneumonia. Now in this case, we're going to avoid poisons and toxins. We're gonna reduce sugars and we're gonna eat more proteins. If we eat internationally, there's only one last thing and that's don't eat too much. That's the big problem that sugar causes. And people don't realize that when they eat sugar in a refined form, it goes into their mouth and triggers the insulin response from the pancreas. So a lot of powdered sugar means a whole lot of insulin being worked out by the pancreas. But we can kind of calm all of this down by eating protein first. We can calm this all down by not eating too much food at one time. And we can do this by staying hydrated as well.
0: And so you mentioned eating internationally, which I I've, I've never heard before, but that's awesome because I definitely agree in variety and you know not eating the same thing every day but I just want to <laughs> address people who might be thinking, okay, so you're saying let's eat Chinese or Italian food or whatever. Does that mean I can go get takeout Chinese food? What does that mean? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, wait, wait a minute. You're good. You're good. You're good. And you got me over a barrel here and I'm, I'm a little bit nervous. Not really, because I actually went ahead and said, we need to avoid the poisons, the toxins, the steroids, the antibiotics. So when we're eating fast food, You're eating steroids, you're eating antibiotics, you're eating all of these pesticides, all these pollutants, but not only that, fast food has something that few other foods have in it, and it's preservatives. You see, fast food might be cooked or sitting on the grill for a long time, but how did they keep it ready to go? And it's because they put in a lot of preservatives, the very preservatives that go into your body and cause fat gain because your body has to protect against those chemicals. So we're avoiding anything that is processed, that has preservatives, that has antibiotics, that has poisons. So when I say that, you know what? It could have been just as easily said, we're eating all natural organic raw foods and people get all pushed back and I can't do that. I want some meat. I want some protein that's gonna taste good. And you know what? You're going to find that when you eat internationally, if it's Italian, most of your food is going to come to you in a semi-raw or very raw kind of condition. And it's the food that's got preservatives in it and sugars in it and toxins in it that you don't want to eat. So I hope that helps.
0: It does. Thank you for clarifying. (laughs) And what would you say are the biggest obstacles to eating correctly that you see in your practice? So you were kind of talking about, you know, I want something that tastes good. I want, you know, the comfort food or whatever. Um, What else? Is it like time, money?
1: I think it's convenience. I think the American people want something and they want it right now and they want it when they want it. And so they'll get fast food, number one. Number two, they'll have something in their refrigerator or in their freezer that they can pull out a hot pocket, throw it in the microwave and there it is ready to go. And it's all, all of it has been poisoned with preservatives and with a microwave as well. And so I think it's just about convenience when people actually, make a plan, go buy their food according to that plan, then they do really well. But I know in my life, and I'm, I'm a big example of this, when I go on a trip for two weeks and I come home, all of my routines have been totally destroyed. And I'll eat something because it's there, because it's convenient. And getting to the store with a list in hand is one of the hardest things Americans have to do. Why is that? What, why do you think that is?
0: Well again you said convenience right?
1: <laughs> yep, I did.
0: Yeah, so I think for me most of the time it's I see a lot of people who they just they don't have time quote unquote. I don't know if that's true or not. It might be an excuse. Time is a big one um and then I also think that people, you know, they're addicted to these comfort foods so they don't want to give those up so there can also be like an emotional component.
1: Well, I think the biggest obstacle in general is our soda pop about 35 years ago out came diet soda and everybody thought if i drink this i'm going to lose weight and that's what it was promoted as we now know that these synthetic sugars and some of these aspartame like products are actually poisons to us and they're 600 times sweeter than sugar making us crave sugar even more and it drives our appetite just off the sky so soda pop whether it has sugar in it or artificial sweeteners in it is one of the worst things that you can do to your body because you're taking in so many sugars that it turns on your appetite
0: yeah and i've used to even seen studies with um looking at you know aspartame our artificial sweeteners they destroy the gut microbiome as well right so that is obviously a big part of health
1: Again, it's about balance in the gut microbiome. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit later, but you're right. When you're eating things that make your gut out of balance, you're going to have inflammation throughout your body as a result.
0: And so you mentioned that people have a hard time showing up at the grocery store with a list. How do you make this easier for your clients if they give you these you know, arguments and things like that?
1: Well, I have a little brochure on the essence of wellness and it has eight questions for each one of the categories, eight questions for eat, eight questions for sleep. And then in the back of the booklet, I have about a hundred bullet points of options and I have them open that book and with them take a yellow marker and highlight the highlights that are correct for them. And then they can go to the store holding this, you know what, these are the things that I need most. And in that way, they have a list with them. And most people know what is good for them if they're over 40. But something's happened in the younger generation that truly, honestly believes that uh, some things that aren't good for them are being promoted and purported as healthy. For instance, cereal. In the morning, here's this. Here's these cereal oat rings of whatever name look at that i did that really good didn't i, <laughs> I mean. and here's these oat rings and it says right on them heart healthy and when in reality they're just one step off a of toxic waste and a highly sugared product anyway but they've been advertised for so long that this is healthy this is healthy that it's difficult to change minds when they've been promoting uh, when they've been wrongly promoted for a long time
0: yeah, I definitely agree, and I used to be that person growing up with milk and the oat rings. <laughs> and I also <laughs> recently, you did um, that good. Yeah, I did some research into you know these cereals, and there's obviously there's the sugar and the toxins in there, but also toxins glyphosate. So you know so there was a study boss, showing that glyphosate was highly you sprayed. Just,
1: you just opened up Pandora's box yeah. with glyphosate, <laughs> didn't you?
0: Yeah. So glyphosate is not a good one either. Um, and then even, yeah, I totally agree with, you know, the media kind of portraying these foods as healthy, like lots of fiber, same thing as dairy industry. Like you need dairy for calcium, strong bones, etc. And it's just not true. Right. So we definitely need to educate. Um, and that's what we're doing. Yep. So second one would be sleep correctly. So again, I think a lot of people tend to think, you know, seven to nine hours, is optimal. Um, what are your thoughts?
1: Well, all the studies say seven to nine hours is great, depending on your needs. But what really happens here is that during life, we get stressed out. And during stressful times, we don't sleep as well as we could. If we don't eat appropriately, we don't sleep as well as we could either. One issue is too much sugar brings up stomach acid, promotes energy, and you can't go to sleep. Another There's a number of other different foods that can play in there, hot spicy foods and heartburn can play a role. But sleep is so important, I'll illustrate it this way, that when uh, a number of military men that were performing a study in a scientific study, they were only allowed to sleep for four hours a day. So out of 24 hours, they only got four hours of sleep. In two weeks, every single one of these previously healthy soldiers, tested positive for diabetes. So the sleep that you don't get leads to hormones that are out of balance. And we see this all the time with women who are going through menopause and their hormones are changing or through puberty and their hormones are changing. It's reflected in the lack of sleep or overabundance of sleep that they get. So a sleep deprivation is a real curse to overall wellness.
0: So that is tremendous information as well. I've seen studies like that on insulin resistance, blood sugar imbalances, even happening very quickly, like you mentioned, it doesn't have to be like years, it can literally be, you know, very quickly, even one night of poor sleep will affect you. I think we've all experienced that, you know, the next day you're feeling cranky, you're hangry, et cetera. Um, but what would you say would be, so we talked about, you know, seven to nine hours, that's usually kind of the ratio you want to look for. And then what about timing? Does that matter as well? Like, does it matter if you go to one to bed at 1am, 10pm, 5am?
1: the most important thing is rhythm and routine. And some people don't go to bed till midnight, but they sleep till eight. There's their eight hours of sleep. And if they do that every night, there's nothing wrong with that bio rhythm. So that's not a big, that's not as big a problem as they say it is. But if you're missing, uh, if one night you go to bed at midnight and the next night you go to bed at six and the next at 12 and you dance all over the place, you're going to be jet lagged, and we joke about oh he's just jet lagged," but jet lag is a blood sugar imbalance jet lag is a, a really unhealthy way to go through life
0: and what about people i hear this all the time i've dealt with this myself and then we also see obviously circadian rhythm affecting this like the cortisol you know coming back up at night when people are wired but tired at bedtime do you see that a lot as well
1: I do, and a lot of people have a stress imbalance and a hormone imbalance uh, can play even more problems there. And the other one I see is pregnant women that just can't get any sleep, but what is really going on in most of these people is that when they go to sleep at night, they can't stay asleep in a deep level of sleep. So let me tell you how come that's so important we have three levels of sleep. We have a medium level and then a deeper level of sleep and then with something we call REM sleep and that's the deepest level of sleep. REM sleep is important because only during REM sleep does our brain wire permanent memory. So whatever you learned in algebra class, at night in your deepest level of sleep does your brain actually wire itself to have permanent memories of that uh, experience. So if we don't get into our deepest level of sleep, we don't make the permanent memories. And during the day, we don't have very good recall for that very reason. And so REM sleep is very important because that's when we, we rebuild our tissues, that's when we rebuild our immune system, that's when we restore brain function back to normal. And one last, one last point I wanna point out so that people don't think, oh my gosh, all these horrible things about not getting sleep. Here's one that is from the Sleep Association. Actually, it was published in American Psychological Association. And when somebody is only getting five hours of sleep a night from Monday to Friday because of work, they have to get up early and they have to go to work and they're only getting five hours of sleep, by the weekend, they're in a sleep debt. Isn't that an interesting way to call it? A sleep debt, and to pay back that debt, they need to sleep 10 hours, two nights in a row, and it pays back the whole debt, and then they can start the next week without injury. So. If you're looking at resetting your clock and you can get two nights in a row of 10 hours sleep, I know, I know, bite your tongue, nobody can ever do that. Well, yeah, they can. And you could, should think about it sometimes. That is how we reset all of the circadian rhythms. That's how we, re, we reset the hormone levels. That's how we get back on track and minimize the damage from sleep that we've been, uh, we've been indebted to for the last week
0: so you mentioned REM sleep, does that happen after a specific amount of hours of sleep or how do you track if you are getting REM sleep? Like how would you know?
1: Well, we usually drop into our first level of sleep within the first hour and it lasts about 60 minutes. Then we have a a change of sleep depth. And for 90 minutes, we go into the medium level of sleep and then REM sleep doesn't happen usually till about the fifth hour of sleep and it lasts for about 90 minutes. So REM sleep, to get fully recharged, fully rewire the brain, fully reorganize the body, takes about 90 minutes. But to get there, you need to go through the other parts of sleep as well. And so it's usually about the fifth hour of sleep, and it lasts for 90 minutes.
0: And you also mentioned waking up during the night. So I hear that a lot too, specifically, you know, when I see hormonal balances and even like menopause, what are the common reasons why you see people wake up during the night? Maybe they can fall asleep easily, but they're waking up like 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m.
1: Well, the sleep association studies that I've read suggest very strongly that people who sleep really, really light really only get into the first or second level of sleep and don't drop into REM sleep. And when they wake up at three or four in the morning and cannot go back to sleep, the studies are saying it's because they're chronically sleep deprived. And I'm like, well, yeah, they wanna get some sleep. Yeah, they wanna go back to sleep. What's happening in a lot of cases is they have not had enough exercise through the day. And that pent up energy keeps them up at night. And I know you think to yourself that, wait a minute, how is it pent up energy? Well, think about this. If all you do is sit on a chair all day and you're looking at a computer screen, and then you go home and lay down and go to sleep, your muscles are just aching to go out and exercise. You you know, we, we take our dogs out every night and let them run. It's the same thing with humans. We need to have enough exercise or that pent-up energy can keep us up at night. Hormone levels can keep us up at night. Um, Imbalances in blood sugar can keep us up at night. One of the most common things I see from the people I work with, and most of them are moms, and these moms have a list, and their list is a checklist, and it's about 50 items long for the day drive the kids to the, park, to, the, to the school, pick them up from school, get the food, cook the food, buy some shoes, get some, all these different things. And their list just goes on and on and on. And one of the psychologists I worked with said, with people who have that list that they just have to check off every day, We try to get them to finish that list before they go to bed so their mind isn't whirling about, oh my gosh, I've got to go pick up crayons for Jimmy, or oh my gosh, I forgot to pick up something for somebody. Those kind of thoughts can keep you up at night, and chronically, they can really impair your sleep as well. So make a list, but check it off and finish it before you go to bed is another one.
0: Yeah, that's a great tip. And that's something I use too a lot of the time if I go to bed and I start thinking about, you know, I have even maybe creative ideas or like projects, um, I'll write it down so that it's on paper and then I don't have to keep thinking about it. So that does help as well. So that's a great tip. Moving on to supplements, so I think everybody is trying to out-supplement their diet nowadays in terms of what is the pill that can replace, you know, eating spinach or whatever it is, um, and then hoping that it's going to fix all their problems. Obviously, we know this doesn't work, but supplements obviously complement a healthy diet and lifestyle. Um, But what would you say are the do's and don'ts of supplementing? Because obviously, as we both know, supplements are not all created equal.
1: Yes, supplements, number one. Are exactly that. They're intended to supplement a diet that's incomplete. But if you eat internationally and get a wide range of different nutrients, you shouldn't have to supplement. Now, the studies show 94% of us do not get sufficient nutrition from the food that we eat. So, number one, here comes the daily vitamin mineral supplement. Well, here's what I think about daily vitamin minerals. If you're not getting it in your foods, then a daily vitamin mineral is nice. It's not something that's gonna make you feel terrifically better because here's where energy transfers from food. Minerals transfer energy. Vitamins are the carriers of that energy into the cell. So you need a little bit of vitamins and you need a little bit of minerals and when you don't know what to take, Take the multivitamin, and it's a terrific way to make sure you're not running out of the nutrition that you need. Now, you're not usually going to feel a big difference with that. Some people do, but most people don't. The next idea is herbal medicine. Now, herbal medicine comes to the body, and the plants are carrying some special chemistry with each plant. Some are antioxidants, and some of them, uh, some of the herbal products are acids and some are specific types of aromas, all of which have special benefits individual to each person, but the herbal category makes the immune system work harder. So when you think about echinacea and you're like, oh, I've got to take this so I don't get a cold, and it stimulates my immune system you're really not supposed to take echinacea for more than two weeks because if you do, you've made the immune system work harder for two weeks and it finally crashes and you end up with a big depressed immune system, which was worse off than you were to start with. So herbal medicine makes the immune system work harder and should be used in two week intervals here and there and here and there. Then you can get on to different types of supplements that I'm taking this because genetically my family has a problem with abnormal cell growth. Uh, And that's okay. But again, you don't feel a big change in your body and recognize that some people want to have a major change and they want to feel it right now and they'll take something that gives them energy. So that's another herbal type of medicine and we call it like raw cacao or we can take ginseng or we can take tonic based herbs or vitamins or natural substances and some people even consider the the marijuana type of extracts to fit into that category we call them cbds cannabinoids and they're they're energizers or Reduce energizers like valerian and skullcap; Those can help with people who want to lower their energy. So everything has a different chemical property and people that wanna take them recognize that herbs are really to be taken for the short term to help you get over a situation and vitamins and minerals are intended to be taken literally every single day. And then my favorite of all the supplements is probably probiotics. And that's just bacteria in a capsule. And when you take a probiotic, it goes into the gut and helps balance the gut. And I think that's where most of our inflammation and disease comes from anyway, is the gut. So probiotics are my favorite of all the supplements.
0: And are there any supplements that you think are necessary for everyone to take that, you know, obviously there, we need to start with diet and lifestyle. um, But are there supplements that you usually recommend like across the board that should be taken?
1: No, I don't actually. (laughs) I I'd love to say, yep, everyone needs all of these things, but I will tell you this. If you're over 40 and you want to have aging slow down, you need to eat raw fruits and vegetables for their antioxidants, because when you recognize antioxidants, neutralize the free radicals that cause premature aging, then you go, oh, but that fits into my diet plan anyway, they're raw foods. So yes, my uh, antioxidants are really high on the list for people who uh, want to slow down the aging process. Now, something else that I do know works and I really like are the omega-3 fatty acids because that's what our cell membranes are made out of. And if we don't have enough of the good healthy fats or omega-3 fatty acids, our body will use unhealthy fats to make cell membranes and they'll go rancid and our cells will die off and they'll only last one fourth as long as they should and that's why we end up with poor energy and poor skin and poor function in our vital organs. So I like omega-3 fatty acids. I like the omega-3 fatty acids. I, I like probiotics. And then if you're worried about getting sick, my favorite supplement is silver as a liquid, as a gel, as an aerosol, as a lozenge. I just love silver.
0: Yeah, we talked all about silver on our last episode together. So I'll link that episode in the show notes if you guys want to check it out. Um, But moving on to exercise. So in my practice and, you know, the clients that I see, I usually see a trend between either sedentary lifestyle or over-exercising. So I think we're doing too little or too much. And obviously we need to find an in-between, right?
1: Oh, the word balance. Isn't that important? (laughs) It's the hardest thing to find, I think. Well, I do know exercise balances the body in a lot of different ways. In fact, when I have people that have lost weight by doing nothing more than changing their diet and they eat healthier and they eat less volumes of food and they'll lose 30 or 40 pounds, let's say, for an example, when they get to the end of that diet plan, do they have the rebound? Well, that's what we use exercise for. In my world, exercise rebalances hormones. So even if a person doesn't do any exercise at all and they lose weight with just their diet, if they don't start exercising at the end of their weight loss, they're gonna get a rebound because exercise can be used, even just like walking briskly 30 minutes every day, to balance hormones so that your body said, this is my normal homeostasis. I am not going to put extra weight back on after I've lost all this weight because my exercise helps me balance my hormones. In fact, there was a study that I read one time that took antidepressant drugs. They call them tricyclic antidepressant drugs. And they compared them to exercise and found that after eight weeks, the exercise was more effective at controlling their depression than their tricyclic antidepressant drugs. So exercise balances hormones throughout the body, mentally as well as physically.
0: And are there specific forms of exercise you found to be more beneficial than others?
1: The ones that you'll do every day, and that includes walking, walking, walking. I love yoga and stretching. I think it's one of the most magnificent ways to worship your own body at the same time as giving it a strong workout. Um, I do know that sprinting is very effective at mobilizing certain immune cells, but who with pneumonia wants to go out and run a hundred yard dash? So there's some some complications with some of that out there. And those people that over-exercise, what's happening there is they're they're actually getting to a point where they're secreting too much cortisol, a stress hormone. They're secreting too many other types of hormones overworking certain organs like the liver to synthesize muscle. And so what we have to make sure with them is that they get enough protein. And that's why we sell these protein shakes, so much protein shakes. And the most important time to take protein if you're an over-exerciser Is immediately after exercise. And I know even if you take it before exercise, you're still going to want protein immediately after exercise because it really does break down into amino acids that help the nervous system and muscles at the same time.
0: Yeah, and that's a great time to have a shake because obviously a good quality one because a lot of people will, you know, be at the gym or out and about, and that's a super easy protein to take. Um, but basically what we're saying is finding balance and you don't have to spend two hours on the treadmill or two hours doing CrossFit every single day to achieve weight loss.
1: Correct? No, no, I've even seen these studies now, uh, with some great exercise programs that I've used myself that are the nine minute exercise program or 11 minutes of exercise. And if you do it every day, everybody, or every time you do it in the morning, you start to become, uh, it becomes a routine and a rhythm and 10 minutes is pretty easy to get yourself up and going and your blood flowing and all these good benefits and then try to get some walk as well
0: (laughs) yeah effective workouts can be really short nowadays um just need to know what you're doing and that's awesome because you know a lot of people say they don't have time etc you have 10 minutes i'm pretty sure (laughs) you can find 10 minutes yep Moving on to neutralizing toxins. So obviously we know we live in a more toxic world and of course January is the month of cleanses and detoxes, etc. What are your thoughts on these like juice cleanses and these tea detoxes and all of these kinds of things? Are they valid?
1: They are valid, but only if you get the right kinds of ingredients. For instance, Every morning I start with a green shake and I, th- I put in all the spinach, all the kale, all the uh, anything and everything that I feel is very important to me for the week. And I make a shake for the whole week. And then I drink about two and a half cups of this green shake every morning. So I'm getting straight greens right off the bat because I want the antioxidants, number one. I'm not really going after minerals and vitamins and things like that with my shake. I'm going after the antioxidants and the greens that will neutralize the poisons in my body. And this is a detox in and of itself for two reasons. One, the greens move through the intestines swiftly and that in and of itself detoxes the intestines so they're not constipated. Number two, as it passes through the body, these greens in a cleanse form are actually neutralizing the damage in the intestine and in the bloodstream when the antioxidants are absorbed into the bloodstream. So that's one thing I really like and every morning I start with a big green shake. In addition to that, there's detoxes that you can do for circulatory system, detoxes we can do for the intestinal system, detoxes we can do for many things. In fact, I've even been associated with a a seminar one time and I wrote a paper one time on the cancer detox and you should do it every time the seasons change for these reasons. And I've kind of pulled away from that, it was about 20 years ago, but I still believe the principles to be true that we can detox the system if we want it to be healthy. And if you're not toxic to begin with, you're not going to feel anything. But if you are toxic, it's a real help.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of people will jump into these detoxes and cleanses, which can also obviously be supportive, but I usually see, you know, people feel like really bad because of different reasons. Obviously, you know, they might be very toxic, but people also might not be, for instance, going to the bathroom regularly or having, you know, optimal bowel movements. So that's why I caution against that, you know, doing these types of things or revving up the detoxification process if you're not even going to the bathroom. So obviously your essence also stands for cleansing correctly. So what does this mean to do this correctly?
1: A real simple way to do it is with a green shake. And that's a soft, smooth way of getting over the uh, constipation. Number one problem in our bodies is that we live in a climate that might be too cold. And so we live around heat and it dries out the body. Or we might live in too hot of a climate and we've got air conditioning. Well, either way, we dry out our body. And if we dry out our body, then we end up constipated. And if we're constipated, we are fermenting. The fruits and vegetables, and even if they're good for you at one time, with the yeast and the sugars and all that fermentation time, we're producing alcohols. So we cannot afford to be constipated. Number one cleanse is a green shake for that reason. People that need help beyond that should probably consider drinking a little psyllium. And that's a soft, smooth way to help soften the bowel movements. And then people who want to have more aggressive uh, help there are herbal natural laxatives that are out there as as well and and you you got to keep your bowels moving or none of the cleanses are going to work you're right
0: yeah that's awesome great tips on that cuz it's really important that we are pooping obviously on a daily basis so want to do that first before we look into you know the liver cleanses all that kind of thing Correct. and then the last one of course is eliminate stress so how do you approach this with clients cuz obviously nowadays we have Lots of different stressors compared to what we had before, like hundreds of years ago, even 50 years ago.
1: Well, stress management is made up of two components in my world. Number one is, as soon as you identify your stressors, you're 50% of the way towards a treatment. And then obviously, number two, by using some wisdom, you can slowly, step by step, take away some of the stressors in your body until you get less stress to a level you can manage. We're not ever going to get rid of all the stress in our world or in our bodies. We're going to always have at least some. And when we know that, we can manage it. So when when I have people that have anxiety, for instance, we usually find that the anxiety-based people have a thought process, that they can help themselves manage just a little bit. When I see depression-based people, uh, they have some thought patterns that they need to have permission from a therapist to help them get over so they can move on with their lives and and it's as it's as easy as this and and people know this it's common sense, but when I look at people that focus too much and become obsessed on the future, they're always looking ahead, always looking ahead, always looking what might be. They're the people that seem to have anxiety, and so we help them learn to deal with things in the present moment. People that have depression, they're almost always obsessed with the past. What I should have done here, what I could have done there. Oh, I regret my decision here. When we take those two situations, for instance, and help a person learn, That if you can just focus on today and now, have a written checklist for the future, and in the past, check off and let go of the issues you have finished in the past, immediately they start to have a balance that doesn't include the thinking that produces anxiety or the regret that produces depression. And that wasn't everything to be talked about, but you can see how simple and how much that illustrated a little bit of conversation with yourself can help.
0: Yeah, because I think a lot of people, again, want to go again for the, you know, nutraceuticals or pharmaceuticals, whatever it is that will help them calm down. Like, obviously that can be a tool if you're like having panic attacks or whatever, and to help you calm down. But we really need to focus on the mindset shifts, right? Like it's not, we need to really address the root causes. So I'm really glad that you addressed that. Um, and it's more about this inner work that we have to be doing, right? And the daily little shifts that we can start doing, like shifting our thoughts, our conversations, things like that.
1: Yes, and let me give you one more story because I it just came to my mind but I worked with a shaman one time and this guy had a lot of people that came to him, even though he'd never been to medical school, he never graduated high school even, but he was the tribal shaman or the medicine man. And as a Native American, he had a lot of people come to him for a lot of different things. And he had so many people that were successfully getting rid of their cancers that they had him speak at a medical conference. So up he went, and he spoke, and I'll never forget his first sentence. He said, all cancers are the result of holding a grudge. I thought, oh, my gosh, I have to laugh at that. And within 30 seconds, the laughter turned into applause. And everyone started listening to his kind of common sense medicine. And so what we have to do with stress is we have to exercise it away. We have to make a plan so it doesn't exist as much. We have to have checklists that get rid of it out of our lives. And you'll find your way of dealing with your stress if you, number one, identify it. Number two, make a plan for it. Now, supplements, oh my gosh, from B vitamins to valerian and everywhere in between. There are a lot of anti-stress vitamins and minerals and herbal supplements. Take them, but recognize they're only going to make a change in your life for about two weeks until you have to change to another one. Then you can come back two weeks later to the first one, but it's always a biochemistry in your body that needs balance that's going to ultimately get you where you want to be.
0: Yeah, and I love adaptogens for that, but like you mentioned, if, for instance, you are not becoming aware of the stressors, you're not doing anything to manage them or eliminate them, the adaptogens aren't going to do much, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. And then on top of everything else, if you're constipated, these products just aren't going to have one-tenth of their benefit.
0: Yep. So got to go back to the foundations. And I love that we addressed all of these in the essence today. So thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us again. Where can we find you? What's the best place to, you know, check out your work?
1: Mydoctorsuggests.com. So that's my, M-Y, doctor, suggests, with an S on the end.com. dot com. Mydoctorsuggests.com. It has many different things, but I've even put books on there that you can go under the book tab. And if you click on those books digitally, they'll be sent right to you for free. I'm just trying to get a lot of information out there right now. And uh, there's uh, about 200 videos that are all education based as well. And uh, I do focus uh, most of my work on the essence of wellness. And I do have a number of silver products because I know that if we can get germs under control, we'll find a benefit immediately in our body.
0: Amazing. Well, I'll put the website in the show notes so people can check out, as well as our past episode all about silver, if you guys want to check that out. Thank you again for coming on, Gordon, and sharing your expertise, your knowledge with us. Really appreciate it.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you loved it. I hope this was valuable to you. And with any episode, if you are enjoying this, if you find value in this, if it helped you or anybody else, I always appreciate a rating and review on iTunes. It takes 30 seconds. If you don't know how to do it, Google it. It's super easy. And it really does help me reach more people and spread my message. So I really do appreciate it. And send me a screenshot of anything that you find interesting. If you want to share the episode, you want to get chatting on Instagram. I love chatting with you guys on there. So head on over. The link is in the show notes. And thank you so much for supporting me on this podcast, on this journey. I really do appreciate each and every one of you. So thank you so much.